Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. If you're a longtime listener, welcome to season two. This is very exciting. Greg, how are you? I am doing great, Eric. I am so excited to get season two started. All the stuff that's happened over the last several months has been kind of getting ready for this year. I can't wait for us to uh, dig in. Yeah, and I know we're not going to dig in alone. You've got John McConnell with you, and this this isn't like a one-time guest. What's going on with John? Yeah, so yeah, as I mentioned, a lot of things going on over here at DuPont Wealth and uh, with our team and everything. And uh, John is one of our newest strategic partners. And so I was very excited to bring him on for an opportunity to introduce him to our listeners. Uh, over the last several months, as we have continued to grow, we've uh, John has joined our team as well as a couple other strategic partners that we will uh, introduce throughout the season. And uh, I've uh, got some some real cool guests lined up for this year, so I'm excited for us to get rocking and rolling. But I felt that the best way for us to get started in season two is you know, f- to continue our back to basics series and feature a little bit about John and uh, some of his expertise as we understand the conundrum of bonds. Ah, Greg, the conundrum of bonds <laughs> just brings back so many memories. No, not really. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but John does. John, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, kind of excited about the topic today. It's an area that I have a lot of expertise, and and any chance I get to nerd out just a little bit is <laughs> is a win for me. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to let you guys get to it, Greg. Thank you so much. Uh, this is exciting. Well, Eric, first of all, we, we do need to be clear that we are talking about uh, Bonds, not James Bond, right? Because there's a, there's a conundrum with the James <laughs> yeah. Bonds as well as the type of Bonds that John is a fan of. You know, personally, I'm more of a fan of James Bond, uh, but um, John does like to, to nerd out on this stuff. And so I, I want to give John a moment here uh, you know, to, to tell the, uh, the listeners a little bit about himself, his background, uh, and, and just what makes him such a Bond nerd. John, take it well, away. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I'll keep it pretty brief because I, you know, we can jump right into the content. But I started off as, you know, a summer intern at Merrill Lynch, you know, many, many moons ago, uh, where uh, we would actually buy secondary market bonds and package them up and resell them to uh, big companies around the country. Um, I then progressed through my career uh, with Morgan Stanley, some of major insurance companies, and I eventually got invited to speak at uh, major retirement planning seminars around the country. And uh, that's where I started to really find my passion about helping to educate the public. You know, Greg, I'll just take a quick moment here and say, as I was giving these workshops to advisors, it was amazing what they didn't know. And I just thought to myself, man, if these professionals don't really understand what's going on, think about the families that we work with out there and how confusing it must be for them. So, you know, long story short, you know, I really fell in love with getting an opportunity to educate the public. You know, I 
for many years uh, and to this day, right? That's why we have our partnership. Yeah, I, I would not be one that says that I'm an expert in bond, but uh, I know enough to be uh, dangerous and I know enough to know when I'm dangerous. Uh, unfortunately, from what I have seen with many financial advisors out there, they don't know when they're being dangerous, do they? No. And you know what? Even today, more than ever, we've got, you know, the listeners out there are trying to educate themselves because this is an entirely new environment for many of them. Just think about it. We didn't get taught by our parents on how to properly retire. It's not something we were taught in school. You know, most of uh, our clients, parents and grandparents, they worked they turned 65, they got a gold watch and a cake, they went home and they watched TV for a few years and that was it. They had pensions, social security, and, and quite frankly, they, they didn't always live into their 90s and 100s like we can expect going forward today. So it's, it's a new environment and, uh, you know, it's, you know, hopefully we can provide some education because a lot of the folks out there listening are just trying to learn what the heck is going on. So through our discussion here today, we're going to talk about bonds and bond funds and, and similar things. But, you know, I, I, you, you touch on a, a really important point, I think, and that is the game fundamentally changed for the most of the people that we talk to. Uh, went from a defined benefit pensions to the 401k world where uh, you are responsible for figuring out how you are going to live your life on your savings. And they've got, they've, they have been hit by a double whammy, haven't they? Because we, we have come out of this long bull market in bonds and we're heading into what many call a, a bear market in bonds. Uh, so when the people have saved, following the traditional route of a stock bond portfolio, uh, they're now in a environment where uh, the bond component is not protecting them like it used to, aren't they? You're, you're absolutely right. And as we go through some of these uh, specifics on how they work, I'm going to point out some areas of serious concern and and why uh, why today and and we're in a new environment. So let's get started by by defining what we're talking about for the listener. So when we're talking about a bond, how would you define that for the listener? You know, just to keep it simple, a bond is an agreement between you as the lender and another party as the borrower. That party could be a government, a corporation, or even a municipality. So let's say, for example, you loan, I'm just going to say a company, but it could be a government or a municipality. Let's say you loan a company money, $1,000. You enter an agreement with that company to receive regular interest payments for a period of time, typically 10, 20, and sometimes even 30 years. You receive regular interest payments until the end of that time, which we call duration, in which you receive your original money back. Now, now John, so um, when you were at a, a bond trading desk back in the day, um, I, you know, my limited understanding of that, because I never was on a bond trading desk, but my limited understanding of that is uh, bond trading desks are uh, 
are almost frantic, uh, and there's a there's the margin, the the wild swings in value make that trading of a bond a, a very difficult thing when we're talking about uh, moving from the scenario that you talked about, where I've got a direct contract with the company and they're going to pay me the the coupon rate, the interest rate, and pay me back my principal and move that into a market-based instrument where different people are buying and selling and trading that bond. Can you relate to the the listeners, you know, just kind of what happens when you go from that simple I owe you and you're going to pay me uh, type of relationship that you talked about with the company into something that is openly traded on the public market? Yeah, that that's a great question. That's a there's a lot there's a lot in that question but basically what it means is these bonds can be bought and sold a lot like stocks are there's an open market for them and they're traded very regularly as a matter of fact it's a huge market and so what happens is if you go buy a bond you purchase it and it is now priced according to what the market will bear so if I go buy a Heinz food or a Disney bond, I go buy a 10-year Disney non-callable bond, and the going rate tells me that this 2% bond is trading at par value or 1000 Well, if interest rates rise, the bond price or falls, the bond price actually changes because the going rate for that bond has changed. We call that interest rate risk. And that can change the value of the bond fairly drastically compared to even what happens in stock uh, trading, right? It's just as volatile. It changes almost second by second, just like stocks do. When a person has a bond as part of their portfolio, let's talk about an individual bond that they're just going to hold until its duration expires and they're going to get their money back. That's a fairly safe investment, right? Fairly safe, but let's not forget in 2011 when General Motors needed a bailout, they didn't file bankruptcy. The government actually stepped in and, in a way, forced the bondholders to take zero for the money that they had in that individual bond, which maybe a week prior was still a rated bond. But the government stepped in and they forced the bondholders to get nothing for their investment. Um, so there is what we would call default risk in individual bonds. Um, some risk is greater than others. Many consider government bonds like treasury bonds to be the highest rated bond, virtually zero risk of being defaulted on, whereas somebody like American Airlines might be a little riskier. So, you know, when, when we talk about individual bonds, the price can fluctuate. Yes, you are likely to get your money back. It is considered safer than stocks, but it's not risk-free. So let's talk about the different types of risk that do come with a bond. Uh, so you talked about yeah. uh, essentially the government stepping in and and making the the company no longer liable on it. What you know? What are the types of risks that people need to look at when they're talking about um, a bond that they may be investing in? 
So there are really two for the purposes of today's conversation. What we just talked about was considered default risk, where you can actually lose your capital because you're not getting the money back. But there's also something that's a little more nefarious, which is interest rate risk. And a lot of people aren't aware of really how that works. Greg, if I were to uh, sell, sell you a bond, let's say we bought, we sold you some of that Disney bond at 2% and you said, okay, Disney, you pay me a 2% interest and uh, I'll give you a thousand bucks for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, I'll, I get my thousand bucks back. But in the meantime, you're going to pay me this interest, right? Well, interest rates and bond price, imagine that old seesaw right? You have interest rate on one side of the seesaw and prices on the other. When interest rates fall, prices go up. And that's what we've seen for the past 20 years, a constantly falling interest rate. However, some could argue that we might be at the bottom of, you know, trend. If interest rates start rising, bond prices are going to start falling. So Greg, in our example of that Disney bond, if you hold a 10-year Disney bond at 2% and tomorrow the interest rates go to 3%, do you think what you hold is more or less valuable than what the current rate is? If I can go get 3% yeah. somewhere else, it's worth less, why? right? Because why would I go buy only get 2% interest when I could go buy it from somebody else for 3 So there's a little rule that we used to use. It's called the 10-1-10 rule. A 10-year duration bond with a 1% interest rate movement means a 10% price movement in the opposite direction. So that if you have that 10-year Disney bond that you bought for $1,000 and interest rates move up 1% tomorrow, the value of your bond is now worth about $900 or a 10% loss. So, John, let's uh, let's just d dig into that a little bit. So, you know, the the Fed has announced that they're going to be starting to raise interest rates. So, if I've got a portfolio right now that's got a million dollars in it, and that's in the bond, and and over the course of the next year and a half, uh, the Fed in rates uh, increases the rates by one percent, I could stand to have a ten percent loss in my my portfolio potentially just because of that alone. Give or take, you're, you're exactly right. So it, it's not a perfect system by, by any means. And I, I'm not suggesting that everybody who owns bonds is going to have a 10% loss when they raise rates. It's not a perfect system, but it's pretty accurate. Uh, let me give you an example. If you go look, and, and the listeners can go look this up, it's ticker symbol AGG. That's the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. You can go to Yahoo Finance and just plug in AGG. All of your bond funds, whether it's, you know, XYZ company, short duration, conservative fund, you know, they, they market it a thousand different ways. But in essence, everybody who owns bonds in their 401k, their managed account, they are all targeting this AGG ticker symbol. That duration is about eight and a half years right now. So you could expect an eight and a half percent loss, give or take. And so what happens is 
Well, I think what the real problem is, and, and Greg, you hinted at this, what if I have a million dollar portfolio and I'm 65 years old and my advisor says I'm fairly conservative? I know as somebody who's been doing this long enough, that triggers in my mind that that million dollar portfolio that's quote unquote conservative probably has about 75% of their money in bonds. The current interest rate on the bond funds that are typically held in a retirement account are about 2%. So not only are you having interest rate risk, but you're getting a very low return and you've probably got expenses on top of that. So you, in my opinion, are taking disproportionate amount of risk for the, uh, for the reward that you're trying to get. So it, it it sounds like you're setting up it's almost a a perfect storm working against somebody that's a, a saver that's in, in in retirement or nearing retirement because why are the uh, why is the Fed raising the interest rates the, they're doing it because they're combating inflation inflation's getting higher so your cost of living your purchasing power is dropping because of the the inflation and at the same time, your value of what's supposed to be the protective part of your, of your portfolio is dropping because they're raising interest rates. I mean, it sounds like we've been put into a, a box as savers. This is, you're exactly right, especially the conservative savers. They are getting hit on all sides of the issue from interest rate risk to low rates of return to inflation. They don't necessarily know what's coming and if they don't you know start to take a look at some of this stuff they could be in real trouble you know i i have a feeling most of the folks who are in these balanced portfolios or conservative portfolios somebody along the way has told them well you'll average five to six percent i know that maybe that's what it did over the last 20 years but the next 20 years there's no way. It's kind of like this, Greg, my, my kids are in Cub Scouts and we used to do this thing called Pinewood Derby. And it's a thing where you race a car down the track and you take the time and it, you know you get trophies and things like that. Well, I want you to think of the bond market kind of like a Pinewood Derby race. The car is going down the track. And if we say that that car averaged five miles per hour getting down that track to the stop sign, what they're trying to do is say, okay, let's turn the car around at the bottom of the track and expect it to be able to race five miles an hour back uphill. It's just not going to happen. Hmm. So when we're dealing with bonds, uh, from from my observation, very most people that have it, as you mentioned, they got ag uh, or other bond funds. And my understanding is uh, that even with the the higher level risk than people think they have, with if if they had invested in an individual bond, as you have described, it's even worse if they are in a bond fund, isn't it? A lot of times it is. You miss out or you avoid some of the default risk, but now you're in a little bit of a pickle just because of the way traditionally advisors have been doing it for the past you know, 30 years. It's just not going to work like that anymore. 
I will add one thing is that, you know, it's not all bad. I, I don't want to be the guy who's saying that the sky is falling. Keep in mind, we own a modest amount of bonds, but we need to understand the risks and also how are we going to use that in retirement when we're no longer adding to the fund, but taking away. So it, it starts to create a, a bigger problem. Yeah, because many times uh, that people have the spot in their portfolio that they are thinking is going to be for their income for the near term in bond because that is, quote unquote, safe and fixed income, right? And from what you're explaining to us is, let's say, again, that $100,000 under that 10-1-1 rule, if you had set aside $100,000 in a fixed income fund thinking that that was going to be your $100,000 for the next year to live off of and you're pulling it out, you're you're fighting a losing battle. Yeah, it, it creates that sequence of returns risk. Not to throw too much out there in, in one sitting here, but there it, it's like a domino. One thing leads to another. Interest rate risk. Then we have sequence of returns risk. Then we start to wonder, well, gosh, can I even make it through retirement with with even with any type of certainty? And, and, you know, a lot of the families that are that are trying to learn about this are, are probably sitting there thinking like, man, I just don't know. So there's with regard to bond funds, just to kind of put a bow on that before we move on to a mm -hmm. bond ETF with with bond funds. So it does give us some pooling uh, to protect from that uh, individual company risk, right? That's right. Uh, but, but that comes at a cost, the cost of people like you back when you were on the bond desk. Well, yes, there's certainly uh, administrative costs. And this is, I'm, I'm so glad you talked about costs because this will lead in perfectly to the ETF thing, which is my favorite. I, I love ETFs. But these bond funds not only come with low rates of return, interest rate risk, but a lot of time costs that the clients aren't always fully aware of that are built into the bond fund. So I will tell you, and, and I, I know you want you were going to get to this, but I'm going to jump ahead because I, I this is really one of the things I'm passionate about in the practice is this ETF exchange traded fund. So if anybody's listening, wants to go look that up, just type in Google ETF or exchange traded fund. These, in essence, are the new and improved mutual funds with virtually no cost whatsoever. And it turns out that the math tells us that they actually perform a little bit better than mutual funds, uh, cost aside. Um, and so what we've done, at least in our portfolio, is when we have to hold bonds or when it makes sense for the individual client, we'll go out and get ETFs. And we can then go strategically find a variety of bonds that we like, pool the risk so that we, we lessen the default risk, and then we can go out and be strategic. For example, one of the things that we like are floating rate bonds. That allows us to maybe get a little lower rate of return, but the rate floats with the uh, Fed, with the Federal Reserve targeting their interest rate. So if interest rates go up 1%, the rates on those bonds go up 1%. So we get a little bit less risk with the, we get a little bit less interest rate risk uh, with some floating rate debt, and we, we can be a little more strategic with these ETFs. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to have you go in a lot more detail with those floating rate bonds and some of the other alternatives uh, when we get to episode two of this. And I look forward to that conversation because there's a, there are some solutions out there. Before we wrap this episode up, I, I want to ask you uh, just kind of uh, going back to that I'm going to lose 10% this year uh, type of concern. Um, you know, and the fact that, yeah, bonds are neither good nor bad. It's just how are they being used in your portfolio and are you being properly advised on it? Because as you mentioned that phrase duration, I'm sure uh, that if you had some money that you wanted to take out this year, maybe the floating rate bond would be an, an appropriate thing. But uh, the takeaway for the consumer has to be that this is not set and forget, that's what I believe is the one of the great lies uh, of uh, Wall Street as it comes to you know being safe about your money. You've got yeah, they if want you're you to be, hey just hang in there right just hang in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with bonds where we are right now, uh, that incredible uh, risk level that people don't understand that they have uh, in their portfolio with what they're told is their safe money solution. So as we wrap up here, uh, Eric, you've been quiet in the corner. We've, I think we might have given you a Guinness, and so you've just been quietly <laughs> sipping away over there. Um, you know, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to get a word in edgewise with, uh, with us sometimes. I'm just curious, um, you know, as you were hearing John talk about, you know, the, the way that bonds are uh, used in portfolios and the, how they uh, act in reality, uh, just curious if you had any questions or concerns before we wrap up and go into our next episode, which will deal with some of the solutions out there. But I want to make sure that, at least from your perspective, that uh, there weren't any questions dangling out there. Well, first thing is, thank you so much for the Guinness. Uh, I, I should have told you I already had two with me already, but that's fine. Uh, you can't have too much of that. Here's the thing. It, there is so much to unpack, right? The, the problem is, is that it seems a little overwhelming. And I know that's, that you guys are the professionals, John. Obviously, you're very, very passionate about this. But how does one even start to figure out what they've got, what's best? I mean, really, it, it, it's, it's overwhelming. Well, that's a great question. Where do, you, where do you begin? So what I would suggest is take a look at your statements first. Try to identify if you've been put in or if you've selected conservative, moderate, or aggressive the more conservative you are, the higher percentage of bonds you hold. Mm -hmm. The more aggressive you are, the more stocks you hold. So as you get older, we've always been told to be more conservative. So I would say that anybody over the age of 55 needs to take a look at their statements and find out how they're positioned just based on those three criteria. Conservative, moderate, or aggressive, if you're conservative or moderate, probably give us a call so that we can start to take a look and, and start the education process around it. Gotcha. Well, that's that's a really good point. And the fact that the next episode is more solution-oriented, I'm really looking forward to it. But between now and then, if people don't want to wait for those solutions and they do want to reach out, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? So the best way for somebody to reach out to us is to, uh, first of all, uh, check uh, my website, uh, DuPont Wealth Solutions, uh, and you can shoot a message over to me, Greg at DuPont Wealth. Uh, John, if you want to go ahead and tell them your information, uh, how they can get a hold of you as well. Yeah, just johnknowsretirement.com. 
That seems pretty simple to me. All right. Gentlemen, I, I appreciate your time today. Always a pleasure, Greg. I'm so excited that John is part of the show. Um, and of course, we want to thank you, the listening audience, for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 